are well into the month of September and less than a week away from NBA media days and training camps. Can you believe it, folks? It's crazy. Got a lot of news that's come out on this Wednesday afternoon. First off, Robert Sarver, as we know, in hot water, rightfully so, has officially announced his intentions to sell the Phoenix Suns and Mercury after his year-long suspension was handed to him by Adam Silver last week. Talk about that for a little bit. We'll also get into some other news like congratulations, Las Vegas Aces, Becky Hammond. Four games, they win the WNBA Finals over the Connecticut Sun. Big-time job out of, I'll call her big-time Bex. Screw it. (laughs) Um, She did a tremendous job this year with the Aces, and Las Vegas was just a juggernaut between Chelsea Gray and Kelsey Plum and and all of these amazing players. Aja Wilson, the reigning WNBA MVP back-to-back. Such a good job with that squad. Big props to big-time Bex for bringing over her NBA experience to the W and getting the job done. You can also read about that, by the way, on basketballnews.com. I'll get there. We're also going to talk about Robert Williams the third. He's going to be missing training camp, unfortunately, with knee surgery. Getting into some Jay Crowder potential trade talks. And Brian's going to ask me about last week. I was in person for Donovan Mitchell's introductory press conference in Cleveland. Really fun day. Really cool to get to know Spida now that he is in the land. I'm looking forward to working with him and the team as the season comes up here. So what's up, guys? It's Keeping It 94. Another edition brought to you by, of course, the BasketballNews.com podcast network. b Rye, what's happening? Media days are beginning next week. We have actual preseason games taking place in about two weeks. The season's going to begin in a month with real basketball. Let's effing go! The 19th, my man. The 19th. It kicks it off. Shoot, earlier than that. We're going to have real basketball games. Less than a month. Let's just keep it at that. I'm ready. I'm re- I know you're ready. I am. This has been an off-season of hell for a lot of reasons, for a lot of people, <laughs> but especially for you. I was worried about your... Kind of your mental acuity, basically, you know, just uh, your <laughs> my heart rate. In the world. Are you yeah, about my heart that, rate. Man. I mean, you just turned thirty, and I was afraid you're already going to be on, you know, blood pressure pills, you know, or different things like that. So, um, I'm glad you made it through. And the thing that you enjoy the most in sports, outside of your Cleveland Browns and Brownie the Elf, is real NBA action. Yes, watching people play the sport. Amazing, isn't it? It is. And by the way, I hope that this Halloween you will be Brownie the Elf now that he's made a resurgence. <laughs> uh, probably not. Probably not. If I was going to be Brownie the Elf, I, was gonna, I would be like the evil demon Brownie the Elf. There's actually a really sweet logo out there for that. It's not, not the gonna, one that was on the Browns field this past week? We're not going to talk about what happened on the Browns I did, field this I'm, past I'm week. not talking about the game itself. I'm talking about the logo that was on the field of Brownie the Elf. Yes, but how can I not think about the game when you just mentioned the mere thought of the Cleveland Browns? I was at that game, by the way, guys. Very, very happy leaving the stadium at 30-17. to 17. Rookie, rookie mistake, Spinny. Rookie mistake. Ugh. I was ready to rage. 
didn't work well, out that way. I had some plans of what I was going to do while my bears are playing, and I knew I should have gone, but it was it was outside of town. It was going to be like a five hour round trip, and coming back home late. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do the responsible adult thing and just decide not to go. And I'll watch my bears against the Packers, even though I have a feeling I know what's going to happen. And it happened again. The bears lost to the Packers. That Aaron owns them. He says it every time. Don't don't you even mention that guy's name. Sorry. But hey, you had a really fun week one game. That was a blast. All the water splashing around, you know, players just slipping and sliding like they were little kids. There were some really cool photos to come out of that game. But yeah, that was fun. This week was not. So it's on to tomorrow when we host the Steelers, at least for me, uh, big time rival game. So got to wash that taste right out of our mouths. Speaking of washing a taste out of your mouth, Robert Sarver is no longer to be associated with the NBA in the next what couple of months. What a segue. What a segue. <laughs> the NBA has washed a dirty taste out of its mouth. Please let the door hit you on the ass on the way out, Mr. Sarver. What was your initial reaction when the league announced the punishment for Sarver and his misogynistic, uh, childish, juvenile comments and behavior that have happened over the years where he was given a one-year suspension and fined the maximum of $10 million? I always think back to you know, shows that are in the, you know, court of law. And it's like, it's not about what you know, it's about what you can prove. And I think that that's what didn't allow the league to technically suspend him longer. They absolutely should have. They should have come down hard as hell on him. Original thought was, you know, back to the Donald Sterling saga back in the early 2010s. And actually, uh, if you guys want some really solid re- uh, reading material, Howard Beck did a really good job of talking about both the Donald, Donald Sterling and Robert Sarver cases um, with a Tom Thomas, and that's on basketballnews.com. But honestly, man, uh, I had a feeling that this light-ass punishment would have led to we know how active, you know, NBA players are on their platforms and how they get into, you know, the community and how they get into social justice issues. I honestly thought that if that not if Sarver did not announce his intentions to sell the team today, that there would have been an uproar and probably some sort of protest or some sort of way to refuse to take the court in Phoenix. I, I I honestly believe so because you saw LeBron was the first one to really call it out. CP3 followed suit. And, you know, soon, you know, a lot of players and executives and whatnot were announcing their, you know, disbelief and their condemnation of Sarver. Absolutely. And I, I think one of the biggest things that people pointed out when it comes to the difference between Sarver and Sterling is that Sterling got caught on tape. Sarver was not. And it's different when you can actually hear it, you know, coming out of somebody's mouth. And I like 
so many other people was extremely disappointed in Adam Silver in not suspending him longer. He, he had it in his rights where he could have suspended him longer. Now, there is a difference when it talks about taking away somebody's team. And Silver said he didn't really have the right to do that. But if you want to do that, it opens up a huge can of worms from the standpoint that you have to have a vote with the other 29 owners. And then they have to wonder like, okay, what are they going to come after me for if something happens? So they, they don't want to go down that road. It puts them on the record. So they want the onus to be on the commissioner. But what the commissioner did in this instance was not only light, but I thought he really put the onus on this whole situation on the players. And that I don't think is fair for the players. Not I mean, at all. There, there are others that are, that are, you know, welcome to speak out about it, as we saw. Well, you mentioned LeBron James and Chris Paul were the first two to do it. But I don't think that's fair to the players to do that. And I think it the league needs to come down more in a situation like that. And then now we're actually in a situation where Robert Sarver is going to be selling both the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury. Yep. And hallelujah. And everyone can stop talking about this. You know, he's stepping down. You know, as soon as he finds somebody, we can just stop talking about this guy and giving him any sort of attention whatsoever. Again, please let the door hit your ass on the way out. That's do you think, my feeling. Do you think this is what Silver thought would happen? Like, because Possibly. Possibly. Th- just the way that everything's going, that like there's going to be so much backlash against him, no matter what punishment I get, he's probably going to be, you know, forced, or not forced, but guilted in, if you want to put it that way, or, sure. um, you know, be boxed in a corner to have to sell. Because remember, the repercussions on this, it's not just, you know, public outcry. There was a lot of businesses that didn't want to have business with them anymore. Um, that you know didn't want to work with them anymore. You know, we saw PayPal speak out about it because they were, you know, a, a, a sponsor for them and and others. There was people saying, if you're going to bring Sarver back in a year, if he's going to be back there, then you know we're not going to work with you anymore. So there were there was a lot of pressures in a lot of different places. There's probably a lot of it that we don't even know um, that are behind the scenes, and we are now in a situation where. As we sit here on, you know, Wednesday afternoon, just a couple hours ago, Sarver put out a statement that said that um, he is beginning the process of selling both of those franchises. Yep. Good riddance. And here, by the way, here's a portion of this statement. Because he starts up by saying, words I deeply regret now overshadow nearly two decades of building organizations that brought people together and strengthened the Phoenix area through the unifying power of professional men's and women's basketball. As a man of faith, I believe in atonement and the path to forgiveness. I expected that the commissioner's one-year suspension would provide the time for me to focus, make amends, and remove my personal controversy from the teams that I and so many fans love. But in our current unforgiving climate, it has become painfully clear that that is no longer possible, that whatever good I have done or could still do is outweighed by things I have said in the past. For those reasons, I am beginning the process of seeking buyers for the Suns and Mercury. I do not want to be a distraction to these two teams and the fine people who work so hard to bring the joy and excitement of basketball to fans around the world. In our current unforgiving climate, he puts in there. So, it's not up to me. It's because of you 
wait a second, Robert, this is because of the words that you said, because of the behavior that you had, because of your juvenile ways, because of your awful behavior. Words and actions have repercussions. These are those repercussions. By the way, these repercussions are also going to make you an extremely wealthy man because you bought this franchise for, I think, $400 million, and now you're going to sell it, just the sons alone, for over $2 billion, probably closer to $2.5 billion, maybe even more, because this is a sought-after franchise. So cry me a river about the unforgiving climate because you shot your mouth off and acted like a jackass years ago and it's not acceptable behavior. Correct. And yeah, again, it's a slap on the wrist and you get evaluated franchises. Like you get money for that. So like, sorry, public perception, I guess is more important. You can be forgiven, (laughs) but there's still going to be people that say, I don't want to be associated with that guy. No. And they shouldn't be. Right. Ugh. Ugh. So somebody step up, do the right thing, take this team away or these teams away from Mr. Sarver, and let's all move on. There's going to be a lot of people bidding for it. A lot. I'm sure. I mean, there's, there's, there's I, a it, lot of It was a finals part. team two years ago. Yes. But, I mean, to be in a warm-weather city, Phoenix oh, yeah. has been like one of these – these gems of the NBA that haven't truly been polished, haven't been thrown out there because of Robert Sarver and, you know, the reputation that has come with him as an owner from the standpoint, the way that he ran the team and, you know, was thrifty, you know, um, and just, just other things like that. He wasn't always like truly all in when it came to running the franchise. And now you're going to get somebody that's got extremely deep pockets, whoever that person or persons is. And, You know, they're going to spend money. They're going to come in there and be like, I'm an owner in the NBA. Let's spend money. Let's go wild, you know, and uh, and they're going to be happy to do it. And the NBA is going to be happy to have that person there. Yep. Absolutely. No question. All right. I'm done talking about this guy. He's a piece of crap. Don't really want to put any more attention on him. So let's go to something cooler. Um, I was at Donovan Mitchell's introductory press conference last week i saw you there there was a video it was of you awesome. asking a question there was there was a video i think i looked good beard looked you good did. you know I, elicited I, the I, longest I, response of the day from donovan i mean your beard is right up there with dave mcmenamin's i mean so i mean it's polished <laughs> you know very very nice i i really enjoy i'll it, have to know? text dave that you said that yes and see what he has to, what he has to say it's fantastic because <laughs> dave was actually so dave was here when um, the the Cavs were you know in that title contention time. LeBron was here, Kyrie, Kevin. Um, so he was covering the Cavs for ESPN. Um, and uh, he's he's a really good guy, by the way. He is. But, he's an extremely good guy. Yeah. But like, I, I definitely have to tell tell him he said that. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. hilarious. But, I mean, be- between the two of you, and Donovan's up there wearing. Just his uh, his nicest clothes, got the glasses going. That in. necklace was sparkling. Yes. Whoo, buddy. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, man. That day was really fun. Like, I think the coolest part, you can sense when people aren't genuine, I guess is what I mean. Like, he legit seemed shocked that there were so many people there. 
and it started in the morning. People were waiting for him at the airport at like 8.30. He touched down at 9. Came out to a sea of fans. A sea of fans. The press conference was scheduled for sometime around, I believe it was 12.30 or 1. Uh, actually, no, it was 2 p.m. Now that I think about it. But there were more fans that kind of welcomed him in this like almost in tunnel fashion. You know, the team in the arena, they put up all kinds of posters and had some really cool graphics. I got some pictures that I put up on social media. But like you could just tell by from, from his eyes, they're like, dude, they like really want me here. And that's what he echoed pretty much throughout this press conference was just how much that they wanted him here. And that's why he's talking so highly of the organization and its future and him being a part of that future. Well, he was going to be basically left for dead to some in some ways if he had stayed with the Utah Jazz and just the direction that they're going. And I know some people would say, well, they wouldn't totally be tanking. And obviously Mitchell is a guy that you can build around. But to see him be able to go to another franchise and one with so much talent already, the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then there, there was people even saying like, oh, man, he's got to be disappointed. He's a New York guy. And all the rumors were that he was going to New York and now he's going to Cleveland. He was excited about it. And he was being very genuine about that. When you, when you heard the rumors, like he was excited about going to the Cavs, people were saying, ah, you know, maybe, maybe that was just uh, it's kind of the word coming out there. You know, it, it's not real. No, it's real. It's genuine. He wants to be there. He really cares about winning. And now he gets to be a part of a franchise that has a lot of great young talent and is really building towards something and can be a strong force in the Eastern Conference this year. I think that was my favorite part of the presser was that like he didn't hide away from the fact that he wanted to go to New York. He was like, yeah, it would have been awesome to be home. I haven't been home since I was like 12 and to be, you know, with my mom and to, you know, just kind of return to the place that, that made him him. Um, but the problem is, is where people took it and ran with it and didn't use full context, which you know your boy provides. Um, but yeah, like, he was raving over what the Cavs have built. And, like, he already knows a lot of people here. Um, you know, a couple of athletes, a couple of guardians, Ahmed Rosario and Tristan McKenzie, by the way, shout out to the boys. Uh, beat the White Sox last night. Um, well on our way to uh, winning the Central Division. Sorry about that. <laughs> but, uh, Denzel Ward of the Browns, Joe Burrow of the Bengals, they all hit him up. And, uh, you know, he's got friends here. Um, one of the greatest lines of the entire presser and introduct introductory uh, conference was that he loves the cold because he thinks he dresses better in the cold. <laughs> because of course. he was asked about being in a quote-unquote non-desirable, like, small market city, which, by the way, piss off. But... I uh, had a really good time just kind of hearing his uh, his candid nature. And uh, they're really, really optimistic about him being in this um, for long haul. 
And, you know, if you the results can come, then you absolutely have a chance to convince him to stay. I don't see why not. He's the kind of guy that I think even now, because he was in Utah, and we talk about weather or you talk about maybe not a marquee franchise, I think he's already forced in one spot like that, and this is another one that's like that. The difference is just one was had a trajectory on its way down, and this one's got a trajectory on the way up. Mm-hmm. On the way up. You got any questions for me about that that day? Or because I mean, I know I wrote a uh, gigantic, and I'm talking about a gigantic um, review of the entire day last week. Hopefully, it's still getting hits because. Um, there's a lot of really solid quotes in there. But did you have any you know, particular questions for me at all about the day, or are we, we moving on here? Well, I think one of the biggest things that people wondered about was, like, how is he going to be when it comes to ball handling duties mm-hmm. and sharing those with, with Colin Sexton? Uh, not, not, yeah, oh. that's who he's replacing. Excuse me. <laughs> I mean, replacing Colin Sexton with Darius Garland. Yeah, no, with Darius, yeah. Uh, so he already says that he has a relationship with him because they've worked out together. Um, they actually went down to Nashville just for a little, you know, mini camp that Darius put together and, um, you know, got to know each other even better there. But, uh, you know, I, for me, I'm thinking to myself, the way that Darius can create and the way that Donovan Mitchell has proven that he can create over the last couple years, particularly that it can be fair share. What he's there to do is to make Darius' jobs easier. That's it. Like, it's not saying Darius Garland's going to take a step back. No, no, no. This just enhances what he's able to do, and it accelerates Cleveland's timeline, as Kobe Altman put it, because it's a guy who's proven. All they did was talk about his postseason experience. That's literally all they talked about. And consequently, that's what my question was about. Um, it's it's that that preparation. It's that, that grinded-out attitude. It's that, you know, being able to know that you can't take a night off against a team that you're supposed to beat. Like, that's the stuff that he's going to bring to this team. But again, in particular with Darius, um, it, it should... It, you know, after a few games, it it, it should click. I, I see no reason it shouldn't click um, on the offensive end. Defensively, maybe you have some questions. And again, that comes down to who they're playing at the three. J.B. Bickerstaff continues to talk about how he doesn't care about the position. Li- you know, it's positionless and, you know, everyone's a basketball player on the floor, blah, blah, blah. I don't. I still don't know who they're, they're going to play there. He was very tight-lipped about that. Um, but I do want one thing. You have Evan Mobley and Jared Allen behind you. So defensively, even if you get blown by, you're pretty set there. And yeah. the, the I loved his quote. He said, it was the, the more the merrier, right? <laughs> but, like, it's just their ability to switch. And they, they can go out and guard on the perimeter. And we obviously know that they can protect the paint. So, like, it's less contingent on you know, having a, a quote-unquote small backcourt. And if anyone wants to come at me and, you know, say like, okay, why well, wouldn't have worked with Colin Sexton? I'm not one of those people. 
I continued to say it would work with Colin Sexton between him and Darius Garland because of the personnel the Cavs have. I'm continuing on that front about this pairing. Um, probably ain't going to work right away. Rome wasn't built in one day. But I think you get month, two months into the season, you're going to see some real chemistry between those two. It will take a little time, like it always does with anybody. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's eager for the opportunity. I think he's okay with, like you said, when it comes to the ball handling duties, and that's not going to be overblown. I mean, everybody knows what he's going to be asked to do there. They want him for backcourt shooting. They want him to be a guy that's going to be their go-to guy, you know, down, you know, in close games, you know, for clutch moments and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a guy that's, willing to to share it around like he knows his role but at the same time he also knows part of that is let's you know use the strengths of this team and you know develop the other guys especially when it comes to you know keeping confidence with Darius and also getting more confidence with Evan Mobley and continue to grow that guy because Mobley is the cornerstone of that franchise he certainly probably will be (laughs) like He's he's something else, and he's adding to his offensive game. And you know they want him to grow his offensive repertoire, be more aggressive. So that's going to be fun to watch. But I, honestly, I'm looking forward to seeing Darius off the ball. That's as a basketball fan, I am really looking forward to seeing Darius Garland off the ball because his catch and shoot numbers are great. His you know, ability to go second side and, you know, throw up those alley-oops is going to be tremendous. Like, outstanding. I I honestly, like, I can't wait to see it in action. So that's where I'll leave that. I want to see how good Cleveland's going to be because I know we could sit here and talk about how good we think both conferences are going to be. You sit there on paper right now. I still think there's a few more questions when it comes to the East. And if this team comes together really good or really quickly, uh, I think they could be better than some people even expect because I think for the most part, people say uh, probably four, five seed, you know, right around there. But five is where I hear the most. And I, I kind of wonder, like, hmm, we'll see, man. Sometimes with young teams, you know, you, you can come together a little bit quickly with this much talent, like, I think they could beat those expectations. Yeah, no, I would have to agree. And, you know, if it doesn't work out well, I think your worst case scenario is a six or a seven. And if it does work out well, you you could put them in three or four. Like, oh, yeah. But, but I think the self awareness of this is what makes it good. Cause Donovan talked about on paper, on paper. He said, that doesn't mean crap if they don't put the work in. So yeah, they're, the self-aware. In. They're, they're self-aware. And it's also a really good thing. This is not just a one-season thing. Like you said, this is for the long term. Right. You know, and, and that's another thing, too. Like, if you feel the chemistry, if they, they feel the chemistry, if it comes together very quickly or comes together over the season, that's just going to be uh, even more reason for him to not look anywhere else. Mm-hmm. I think it would have to be a total mess for him not to stay there long term. Because what is he at? Three years left on his deal? Uh, 
I think that's what it is right now. Yeah. But so. people are like, well, you know, I mean, even in a horrible, horrible situation, worst case, you'd trade Donovan Mitchell and you'd get something back for him. You'd get a lot back for him. But that's yeah. in the worst, worst, worst scenario. It really is. And we're not even going to approach that because he just joined the team. I know. It's hysterical. It's really hysterical. I already talked about my feelings about that on the last podcast. Hey, I'm sorry, everybody. We're going to have to watch Cavalier games. You're going to have to go to Cleveland, you know, to go cover this team. So far. Boo I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, boo-hoo. It's great. It's so great. I love when people complain about coming here. <laughs> it just makes me smile. <laughs> how many more how many more games are the NBA going to add the Cavaliers to the national games? Uh well, it's not going to be this year because they're already out, but Well, you could trade them later on in the season, can't yeah, you? Yeah, I guess you got your uh, well, you Do, do they swaps. flex like the NFL does? Yeah, you could do some swaps. Okay. All right. But Yeah, no. I'm I'm looking forward to that and their media days next, you know, Monday, so I'll I'll be there. And I'm sure that the uh, attitude in the building will be quite upbeat. I'm sure. But we can well, move on. We can well, move we on. Have, other you media mentioned days. media days. You know, mm-hmm. next Monday, there's going to be a media day out in Los Angeles for a team that wears uh, purple and gold. Oh, how fun. The Nets are going to have their media day next week. I can't remember exactly what date. It's Wednesday or Thursday, I think. Um, which media day do you think is going to be more interesting to be at? The Nets or the <laughs> Lakers? <laughs> more interesting yes I, I would have to say brooklyn i would agree i would have to say brooklyn i mean you only have one piece of quote-unquote drama with la brooklyn just has a bunch of unknowns like they they literally have probably the most variance in the nba because they have just studs on their roster they could be the number one team this year Overall, in my opinion. Or they could just fall flat on their face because of their disconnectedness at times. So that one, they are such an intriguing team to me. I think, for one, they're going to be a juggernaut this year. But there's also a chance just because of circumstances that they could end up you know, not performing as well as they think. And, well, here, and the East is loaded, so. Well, here's the question mark surrounding the Nets that people are going to ask questions about. The Kevin Durant trade demand. He wanted both the coach and the GM fired. Mm-hmm. Kevin is now back. Kyrie does not get an extension. Trade rumors surround him the entire offseason. He is back. Ben Simmons did not play last year after you traded for him. He is going to be a part of this team. The offseason additions, including TJ Warren and uh, Royce O'Neal, getting Joe Harris back healthy, getting Seth Curry back healthy. A team that is small, does not really have a lot of bigs, so question marks defensively. The health of this team, because Kevin Durant, you know, wasn't too long ago, came off a major injury and you know, has not played a full season in a while. Where is Kyrie Irving's head at? Because this is a guy that has missed games the last couple of years for a variety of reasons, including last year where he missed almost every home game. And 
um, just kind of uh, where he is going to be at mentally, physically. Is he invested in the team? What's going on there? Um, so you've got a few question marks surrounding this team and you're not going to know the answers to any of these really until you get on the court and you start playing. And if things aren't going well, it could blow up rather quickly. Um, Cause it feels like right now it's being held together by like uh chewing gum and floss. <laughs> That's one way to put it. That is one way to put it. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with Ben Simmons on the floor. Is it Ben Simmons, KD, Kyrie? We're see what happens with, you know, whether Kyrie can play more than half a season. We can see, like you said, man, Joe Harris coming back. That's a great addition. The, the floor spacing on that team is going to be great. Is Kyrie yeah. playing for a contract or is he playing for a championship? For, I, okay. Let me for the first to say, especially as evidenced by the last week on social media, that no mm. one knows what's going on with Kyrie. Like mm. in in his mind, but I will never question that man's competitive spirit or his desires to win basketball games. We'll sure. never ever question that. So I won't question. I, I would his say I would say quarter. championship and contract. Yeah. I I would not question his skills on the court because he is an incredible incredible player. Mm-hmm. However because of the things that are off the court. Some of them, you know, I get it. If you want to be outspoken or you want to be, um, you want to be an advocate for certain things. Sure. But when they are, shall we say some strange things, I think that can quickly go wrong. And maybe in those instances, you shouldn't be so public about it. And if he wants to, that's his choice. But I do wonder if there's going to be repercussions that come from that. Like you said, this last week on social media has been a roller coaster ride for him. And I don't know if that would stop a team from being interested in him because, I mean, we already know that he can be a bit strange. And to take away from that also, like, how many games is he going to play? Because typically Kyrie plays, what, 54? Five sixty games in a season. Best ability is availability. Yes. So I mean, you, they already got that. But then there could be other people that say, "I don't like this aspect of him or that aspect of him because he said this or he said that." I don't know if that would necessarily stop a team from getting somebody, but um, doesn't help. No. Mm. What about your Lakers? I know well, you're gonna you're gonna want to dish out on them. We uh, got the news nugget this week about Russell Westbrook probably gonna be back as I as I've been predicting all summer. You wouldn't been, believe it. It's you been would trending not believe it. that way for a while now, and this team is weird when it comes to the makeup of this team because look at what they've done this off season. They they shopped Russell Westbrook everywhere. Dennis is back. And they were not able to get a trade that they liked. So, by the way, real quick on the Westbrook thing, when it came to the possible trade, remember when the, you know, LeBron, you know, he, he signs the two-year extension and the word that came with it was, oh, the Lakers now are willing to include both their 27 and 29 first round picks in a trade to improve themselves. But then they came with a caveat later on and says, 
well, they'll only make a trade if they, they feel like it makes them title contenders this year. So there's a lot of posturing and um, there's a lot of different things going on to try to strengthen their position and whatnot. But as time went on, they just felt like we don't like the deals for Russ. They haven't traded him. I don't see a trade anytime soon unless it comes out of the blue. Their two big offseason moves were they traded Taylor and Horton Tucker and they got Patrick Beverly and they signed Dennis Schroeder. They bring him back when he was there a couple of years ago. His team is extremely small now. We don't even know who the starting point guard is going to be. It's probably going to be Russ, but they've got Schroeder. They've got Westbrook. They got Patrick Beverly. They got Kendrick Nunn, who still is not playing five on five from his uh, bone bruise on his knee. The longest bone bruise. This is the, the nastiest yeah. bone bruise I've ever seen. Exactly. You've got um, Austin Reeves entering his second year. They went out and spent their mid-level exception on Lonnie Walker. And by the way, when all these different people are talking about rotations from the Lakers and who's going to start a point guard, who's going to start a two guard, and oh, maybe Patrick Beverly now is going to be like their their three and D defender, even though he's only six foot one. Like nobody talks about Lonnie Walker even getting minutes. Mm. And I mean, it feels like that move was just done to for two reasons: one, to a piece clutch, and two, just to use that spot so we could trade a guy during the season. I don't know, but. Better keep Lonnie. Lonnie's legit. Well, they didn't find a trade for Russ. They haven't been able to improve themselves. And and this is what it looks like they're doing, okay? And, and I mean, this team is still crying for a trade. And maybe they'll do something midseason. You never know what can open up, right? Think, weird things happen. I mean, maybe they maybe it blows up in Brooklyn and they do get Kyrie. Who knows? Um, and they'll have some tradable contracts, you know, during the season. You know, Lonnie makes you know, six and a half and Kendrick Nunn's five. I mean, if you really wanted to, you know, Patrick Beverly's out there, you're making what, 13 or whatever. So, I mean, you've got tradable contracts, but all these guys are on the final year of their deal. So the Lakers next off season, and it seems like what they're doing is let's keep it together. Let's see what we can do unless something big pops up and we'll ride it out this year. And we'll have about $35 million in cap space. We'll have those future picks. But here's the problem with that. LeBron James is going to be turning 37 years old in December, and he's entering his 19th season. This team is not getting any younger from that standpoint, and you're talking about kind of wasting another LeBron year. Say what you will. If Hey, if LeBron and AD are out there, if they're healthy, then this team can, you know, if they get to the playoffs and, you know, who knows what they can do. That's a lot of ifs and a lot of buts, and, you know, it feels like a waste. And it seems like this team is just like, we're not giving up everything just to correct our problems. Let's get the next year. And by the way, even if they do that and they get the next offseason with the picks and all that cap space, are they going to use it on just one player again? Or will they spread it around? It feels like they want to use it on one player which means, again, it would be a roster filled with, you know, three stars and everybody else is on minimum deals, basically. So, and I I think that's a hot mess. The way that I look at it, Spencer, is good teams, at the minimum, have two things. They have talent and they have chemistry. This team cannot 
truly develop chemistry from year to year because it changes so much because it's built on star players and filling out the roster every year with minimum players. And that's why we see so much turnover at this team because everybody's making minimum deals. And then if they, they have a good year, they move on. So I don't know how you're going to build any chemistry when you're in the NBA. Are you building towards a championship or are you chasing a championship? The Milwaukee Bucks built towards a championship. The Golden State Warriors built towards a championship. You look at uh, what the Boston Celtics have done. They're building towards a championship. You look at what the Lakers are trying to do. They're trying to chase a championship. Ooh, that was a bar. They're chasing. Okay. Sharp. Sharp words there. Chasing is not a good position to be in. It's not no. impossible to do, but it's not a good spot to be in. Yeah, and you think about, you know, where the franchise goes if they don't get there. That's the other thing you think about. Right. I mean, you're playing with fire. and You want to do this with LeBron. I mean, it's all about, hey, LeBron's going to become the all-time NBA scoring leader this year if he stays healthy. And, hey, you know, all we got to do is get to the playoffs and – you get AD and LeBron out there and they're healthy and, you know, we'll see what happens. And, oh, Darvin Ham says he's got new ways to use Russ. And here's the thing, though. You still have no shooting and you still have no perimeter defense. How are you going to overcome that? Sure don't luck. <laughs> Welcome to La La Land. Okay. A few news nuggets and we'll get out of here. Just had one that broke during this podcast. That's two things. There's those two news pieces that have broken while we, we were recording them before. Two instead of after. Happen. Instead of after. How we, about that? We've had two things happen since we recorded. It's crazy. One of them I actually posted on basketballnews.com while we were talking, which is one reason why I probably sound like a goof earlier when I was trying to make a point about something. But in a <laughs> minor move, Dennis Smith Jr. signed with the Charlotte Hornets. Okay. And also, same thing with me because I was texting people about some news um but thunder no shay gilgis alexander for start of training camp because he has a grade two left mcl sprain according to the team that's not good what the hell so normally he misses games at the end of the season when they shut him down due to a quote-unquote strain sprain whatever this time they're, they're starting it out at the beginning okay it's it's unbelievable. Like, I just want to see this team progress. They, they're so fun. Like, why? Does this mean we actually get to see him finish out a season for the first time in three years? That's possible. That's possible. He's still only going to play 60 games. It's just normally he's done by, like, you know, February, March. But, hey, look at this. At least the Thunder do say it's the start of training camp. He's reevaluated in two weeks. Hopefully, there's no problems with that knee. That's what yeah. an MCL is. It's just a sprain. I mean, I'm joking around, so hopefully it does not require surgery or anything like that. Yeah. Speaking of that, we actually do have someone that had required surgery. Time Lord, Robert Williams, out four to six weeks already with his injury. He's having knee surgery or he had knee surgery, and he's going to miss the start of training camp with the Celtics. Does it worry you how many issues he's had with his knee already? 
Um, a little bit because he his game is predicated on athleticism. Like he is the guy that goes up and swats the hell out of your ball, or he goes up and smashes a high handoff or a putback. Like he's Sugar Dunkerton. That's who that guy is. But the more of these knee issues you have, um, the longer they linger. And that's when you start to see guys that don't have that type of skills to kind of make up for a lack of athleticism. That's when it hurts. Like, I really hope it's not that bad. And he is super young still. So he should be okay. Um, But it just sucks. Because he's coming off of, what was it, an ACL before? Yeah. So, So, I mean, he's going to miss the beginning of the season, it sounds like. I don't know how much time, but he's going to probably miss the beginning of the season. Yeah. Four to six weeks to recover, according to Woj. Already underwent the procedure. So that's, you know, a month and a half. But I can't imagine they'll rush him back. You know, like there's no reason to rush him back like right. quickly. So I can but, see him. I mean, shoot, man. The Celtics can't catch a break. You know, you have Danilo Gallinari first. You have Robert Williams again here. It sounds like, like the contract talks of Grant Williams are going okay and they might lock him up here pretty soon. Good. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's one Williams you have to take care of. They already took care of the other Williams last year. Last year with that. I'm pretty sure his new contract actually kicks in this season. Yeah. So that's nice. Other piece of news. Um, Jay Crowder apparently being dangled in trade talks, according to Woj, or not according to Woj, according to Woj's colleague, Mr. Brian Winhurst. Um, They're also trying to extend Cam Johnson. So that's uh, another nugget there. Uh, Interested in that? Because I feel like Jay Crowder, for as much as his inconsistencies as a three-point shooter are, that dude has proven to me that he's a winner. And he's, he's, he's not everybody's cup of tea. Because he is somebody who is, is a smack talker, who is somebody, somebody that'll get in someone's face, um... No problem doing that. And I mean, I like a, a player like that. But I'm just saying, like, I feel like there's a toughness element there, an outside shooting element there that Phoenix, they probably would miss. Maybe, but I think they feel like we've got somebody else that we can put in this position that's younger, that's more dynamic. Sure. And at some point, we've got to watch, you know... <laughs> how much money we're spending on this team. Uh, so it makes sense. Like if they can get some for Crowder, remember Crowder's in the final year of his deal. Uh, of his, So he's got some value probably around the league for if, if you find a team that has some cap or if you take back somebody else that's cheaper, but also an expiring deal. Um, there's only a couple of teams that have cap space right now. I mean, it's Spurs and the Pacers uh, that have a lot of cap space. Maybe there's a few other teams that have, enough that could get him. He makes about $10 million. So we'll see if he has some value, you know, around the league. I don't know what they would have to attach to him if they wanted to dump him to say the Spurs or 
the Pacers. Um, his shooting has gone down a little bit over the last couple of years. And like you said, he's, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but you know, neither is Patrick Beverly. So (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we're, it's funny because as much as we talk about smack talking and we saw the whole thing with like, you know, Russ and, and, and Patrick Beverly, like being, uh, you know, (laughs) acting like best buddies and all that stuff. And who knows if that's just a show or what it is. But Jay Crowder and LeBron aren't exactly best of friends either. So I don't know if we're going to see Jay Crowder on the Lakers. <laughs> Not that they could get a deal done anyway, because right now it just don't have the salaries of a match up. But um, I don't know. Where do you think Crowder would be a good fit? Uh, I, I think he's a good fit anyway. Tell you the truth, I think he's a perfect fit in Cleveland. Tell you the, per- tell you the truth, man. Would he be a good fit in Boston now that Danilo's out for the season? Absolutely. And he knows that place. Yeah, he's been there. I feel like you can't really find a team for Jay not to fit onto. Just because, again, the tenacity he brings, the veteran leadership, the, you know, quote-unquote enforcer role. He's not afraid to shoot. He's not. He's not. And sometimes he'll shoot you out of a damn game. But he's definitely built enough toughness. Um, He's built enough. You know, I, I think respect around the league. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that he's still only in his late 20s or early 30s. Oh, can't, or or uh, uh, Crowder is 32. Okay, yeah, there you go. Early 30s. Um, still got plenty, plenty in the tank. I, I like I like Jay Crowder. He's, he's grown on me over the years. Because he used to be everyone's, like, analytics darling or whatever. And then he didn't really kind of live up to that potential. But he's he's put in the work and he's a good player. He's he's a very very solid player. Let me ask you this: um, other than the you know Jay Crowder stuff, um, Bojan Bogdanovic, someone that the Suns have checked in on, apparently. What would you think of that fit? You can't go wrong with shooting. I mean, obviously, Bojan's not exactly the greatest defensive player. I think Phoenix has enough things that can make up for his defense and his shooting because he's such a dead-eye shooter. And the opportunities that he will have, yeah. put him around Booker, CP3, you know, whatever. I mean, And he's good at the dribble pull-up, too, man. Let's not forget, like, he could put it on the deck and hit those dribble pull-ups. So he would be a really good fit. I mean, they, the salaries don't match. I mean, Phoenix would have to put in a little bit more salary-wise to make that work if my memory serves me yeah. correct. So Evan Sadry actually wrote about this for Basketball News on uh, Wednesday. Um, or on, sorry, today's Wednesday, uh, on uh, Monday evening. Um, and, you know, they would have to have another salary, probably another pick with him if, if they were to do this in a Crowder deal, um, which in which Crowder would be going back to Utah for the second time. Um, but another salary that could work, Dario Saric, Campaign, Torrey Craig, you know, guys like that. Right. So. Now. Just some food for thought. If Utah did that, do you think they would then try to flip Crowder? Or do you think yeah. it would? Yeah, I, I would think so, yeah. too. No, they, they would. Because, oh, well, I don't think, well, I was going to say, would they buy him out? But I think they would flip him. Yeah, they're, they're, they're going full steam on this you know, youth movement. Speaking of youth movement, by the way, I was able to interview Jared Vanderbilt last week. Mm-hmm. Um, that was another exclusive. I, I, that was a two-interview two day, my friend. That was Jared Vanderbilt 
um, in the morning and Donovan Mitchell at night. That was, that was a big day for your boy there. But yeah. uh, no, Jared Vanderbilt really candid good stuff out of him last week. Uh, make sure you check that out as well, basketballnews.com. Notice I'm saying that a lot because we've been kicking ass this summer. Um, and you should really check out the interviews we have. We have one coming up this week as well with Bruce Brown. Ethan Fuller is going to do a great job with that one. Nikias Duncan just got one done with Becky Hammond, who just won the NBA Finals with the Aces. Uh, so that was awesome. Yeah, we've, we've had a lot of good stuff, man, on, on this website in the summer. So just can, wanted to shout out our, 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 our people for that. Can I just point out something, too? So our main two storylines from this offseason was Kevin Durant asking for a trade and the Lakers shopping Russell Westbrook. And for as much press and conversation and scuttlebutt rumor, whatever you want to put with it, both teams did the same thing. Let's take a breath. Let's think about it. And let's just move forward. It's the smart course of action. Like, why would you not do that? It's a oh, no, we room. have to trade Kevin Durant. Let's like, not... We'll, we'll explore everything, but we're going to do what's right for us. They looked around. They talked with other teams, you know. And, and they, they called like, his bluff. And nobody wanted to give him what they wanted to give him. He even said, get rid of the GM, get rid of the coach. By the way, I don't know how that uh, dynamic is going to be, especially when it comes to Nash being around him. Well, I'm sure Steve is such a professional. He'll make it work. Um, but, like, you had adults in the room, and nobody was going to overreact, and nobody said anything, you know, horrible about anybody else from that standpoint. It's just like, you know what? Moving on from this person does not work best for our franchise, for what we want to do. Let's just write it out. Let's move forward. Let's see if we can make it work. Same thing happened in L.A. Russell Westbrook did not work with that team last year. He kind of trusts the team in his postseason press conference. And all offseason, they looked to move them. But they said, you know what? We don't like these trades. We're not going to move them just to move them. We're not going to pay a bigger penalty for whatever. Let's work it out. Let's move forward. Let's see what happens. And everybody's on their best behavior. Look at that. Being adults. Playing nice. How about that? I would have thought that? that at least one of those things, especially when it came to Westbrook, would have happened. And who knows? I mean, that could still happen. Like, but I love how today too, Pacers GM said Miles Turner is not being traded before the season starts. And I'm like, so after game one, he'll be traded, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Extend the guy then. Then why haven't you extended him? He's in his final year. Hysterical. <sighs> Think that's about enough. Yeah, that's probably enough. Do you want anything to say on the CBA? That was, I guess that's the last thing I guess we could bring up. Yeah, because, I mean, they're working on the new CBA, and I, I like the idea of what they're doing when it comes to using mental health uh, equivalent to um, injuries. physical injuries. Yeah. So I, I like the idea behind that. It sounds like uh while they're moving towards lowering the age limit from 19 to 18 it's probably not going to be for a few more years um i still want to know what they are going to do if anything to reward teams 
when it comes to keeping players, especially in super maxes and mm-hmm. their salary cap. And I know that like some of the team governors have uh, voiced um, that they want harsher luxury tax penalties. That's more to keep owners to protect themselves because they can't control themselves when spending money. Mm-hmm. But I would like to see if that could be lessened for teams that are going over the tax by re-signing the players that they drafted. Kind of like w- with the Warriors. Because even, you know, their ownership has said that. You know, kind of like, why are we being punished for keeping guys that we drafted? And it makes sense to me. It so I, wa- I want to see what other things they do when it comes to altering, like, taxes, cap. Uh, another thing that I would like to see them do when it comes to trades, because remember, right now, a trade is you have to be, unless you have cap space, the two parties have to be within 125% of each other. I'd like mm-hmm. to see that expanded to 150%. Okay. So that way, if you want to trade a $10 million guy, you can get a $15 million guy back. That that could get a little dicey. Yeah. But let's do it. All right. All right. Of course, this comes from the Laker fan who wants to trade well, all of his little small contracts for someone. Who's yeah, like, but here's the thing, though. You pay a price with that when it comes to the luxury tax. You pay a price with that. Fair. Fair enough. So trying to hey that's a mom and pop franchise they don't have any money out there what are you talking about <laughs> come on don't you know that storyline oh my god look at how small our staff is we can't afford to pay these people oh, wait we're paying, we're paying 35 million dollars in tax already oh goodness god. gracious I mean, I mean our television deal is a 20-year deal worth over a billion dollars but we don't have any money that's going to do it. That's it. Enough. Enough Lakers talk. And scene. <laughs> and scene. That was the latest episode of Keeping It at 94 with Spencer Davies and Brian Fritz. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at Spin Davies. He's at Brian Fritz. I'm on Instagram at Spin Davies. He's on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Look us up on any platform and listen to podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever else you listen Hit that subscribe button, leave a comment, rate, review, talk to us on social media, listen to our other great podcasts. How about that? The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr., the Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy, the rematch with Aton Thomas, and Dishes and Dines, of course, with the ladies. Again, subscribe, rate, review, interact with us, read our stuff, watch our stuff. We have a great YouTube channel. It's outstanding. Subscriber rates going up, up, up because our podcasts create amazing content. So do our writers. So do our editors. It's just a great team effort. Basketballnews.com. On the rise, baby. Going into another NBA season. Once again, congratulations to the Las Vegas Aces on their WNBA title. Congratulations out to Spain and uh, Mr. Willie Hernan Gomez. Uh, for winning Eurobasket. They beat France 88-77 for the gold medal. And uh, yeah, until next week, after media days are all wrapped up, I'm sure we're going to be talking about all the good old quotes that came out of that. I'm going to say go Browns, beat the Steelers. Go Bucks this weekend. 
Go Zips. And I bid you adieu.